Are you ready? We are here at First Energy Stadium. Mayfield waits on the snap. He's got it. Third and goal. He's stepping. He's throwing. Hunt's wide open. On it. Touchdown, Browns. Toss Reef goes to Chubbin on an end around. They give it to Landry, and he's going to fire down the field into the end zone. Touchdown, Odell Beckham Jr. Around the horn they went. It went from Mayfield to Chubb to Landry, and the old southpaw fired it down to OBJ in the end zone. His sixth career touchdown. Cowboys. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tapped into another episode of the 6 a.m. tailgate, a Cleveland Browns podcast, as always, presented to you by Landmade Entertainment. Today, we are dropping episode seven when we talk about Jadavian Clowney. He is in town today, and we're going to get into it. Make sure you are following us on Apple and on Spotify. And if you have any show content ideas, send me an email to landmademedia at gmail.com. Finally, finally, finally. I got my man Mike Ross back in the building with me. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's up, buddy? Man, it's good to see your face. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, man, it's been a long time since me and you've been in the studio together. It's an honor to have you on a 6 a.m. tailgate, finally. Well, I, hey, I'm. it's an honor to be here. Oh, man, definitely appreciate you. So listen, to all my followers out there, catch my man Mike Ross at MikeTV216. That's his social media handle across all platforms. And also catch him on a Coffee Club Sports Talk podcast, which we're about to get revamped. Start bringing that to you every week. Yes, sir. How you feel? Uh, pretty good, honestly. I'm. Uh, the weather's good. The sun was out this morning while I was driving in. Um, it was a little colder than I expected it to be, but hey, I'll take it, right? It's not snowing. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So the draft is coming up soon. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to attend the NFL draft and the festivities downtown Cleveland, go to uh, NFL.com, download the NFL One Pass app, and get your tickets. All you have to do is register. The tickets are free, but they are going fast. Make sure you get that. Mike, did you get some draft tickets? So, no, actually, I wanted to wait until I talked to you. So how exactly does it work? Because the only thing I saw was like a um, – it, it was almost like a virtual ticket. Yeah, so so what you do is you you download the app, you register yourself, and it it is exactly that. Uh, it's like a QR code that they have that is assigned oh, okay. to you. Okay, I was able to get two tickets for the second round of the draft. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, gonna hang out downtown, man. Enjoy the uh, just the festivities period. This is the first major event since COVID that you know. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. That's really open, and you know, Cleveland had a national spotlight shining. Right, right. Two so, tickets. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of tickets, man, Jadavian Clowney uh, punched his flight ticket, and uh, he he arrived in Cleveland late last night. Did he? Yeah, and uh, he he's in town today for the second time this off season. So I guess let's start this conversation with how do you feel about. Andrew Barry's continued pursuit of Jadavian Clowney. I mean, so realistically, I think if this pans out, um, and and not to steal anything from you, but I did read something that you put out the other day. Was mm-hmm. it last night? I think mm-hmm. that um, that he is very he's high reward but low risk, right? Um, and I. I mean, come on, we got a short, what were we talking about? Matter of fact, towards the end of the coffee club, mm-hmm. the last episode or maybe the last, one of the last episodes, we were talking about 
the Browns building their defense because that was the one glaring hole. Right. I mean, it it certainly seems like there is a huge potential here with signing Clowney, especially with some of the other pieces that we've put in over the offseason. Um, I agree with that. I think for me, you know, when you listen to a lot of our local uh, sports reporters and you listen to some fans, when they hear Jadavian Clowney, there's three things that's become the constant narrative. He stays hurt. He didn't want us last year. And his sack production is low. Now, the sack production is low. That is true. He had zero sacks last year. I was going to say, it, it valid points. He had three sacks the year before that. So he's had three total sacks in two seasons. Of course, he only played eight games last year. And hasn't he only had one INT on his career? Something like that. Yeah. But the sacks don't tell the whole story for me. And I, and I felt like that in 2021 where we have advanced stats damn near at our fingertips whenever we want it, I just think it's a shallow kind of thinking to say that, okay, he doesn't, he doesn't show up in a, in, a, in a sack stat, so he's not worth bringing in. And then this narrative that he stays hurt. He only played a half a season last year. He's only played 16 games once in his career. But I went back and I looked it up. His rookie year, 2014, he played four games. Outside of that, minus 2014 and 2020 with Tennessee, he's played at least 13 of 16 qualifying games every season. So you think, it, I mean, it, it's not really as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. I'm not, I'm not saying that he, he, he doesn't get hurt, and there's a, there's a high possibility that he might get hurt even this year of the Brown signing. But my, my thing is this. He's been available in his career more often than he has not been. Yeah, you're right. He has. And let me ask you this. Who doesn't really get hurt anymore? It's the NFL. Right. You know, Miles Garrett, correct me if I'm wrong, whether it be due to injury or suspension or other things, he hasn't played a full 16 games yet either. No, I don't believe he has. So it's not like that, you know, that's the the end-all, be-all. I don't I don't feel like that that should be the deciding factor, especially when you consider the fact that we know the injury history. Andrew Barry does his homework, right? So if Andrew Barry has been in high pursuit of this guy for two off seasons now and he has somewhat of a sketchy history with injuries, I'm pretty sure there's a concession plan there. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure that there's always a plan B and a plan C. We're talking about a front office yet again, and I've said on I've said on this podcast before. We have a very, very smart front office. There's no dummies up there. No. So I don't see them just just making, you know, moves just for the sake of making moves based on a player's name or, you know, his persona around the league. No, absolutely not. Andrew Barry, without a doubt, sees something here that that he wants to cash in on. You know, and, you know, another part of it is people keep saying, well, and this year in particular, why is he waiting so long to sign? And why aren't other many teams in pursuit? Well, he is coming off a torn meniscus, which required season-ending surgery. And I believe he's going to take a physical today. So what that told me was he was waiting until he was pretty much healthy enough to be able to pass the physical before he even entertained signing a contract, which makes sense for him. Yeah, absolutely. So I just think that people need to open up their minds a little bit more, and we need to kind of like – dive deep into why Andrew Barry would want to sign Jadavian Clowney 
and what type of asset could he be to the team? And for me, the first the first thing I thought about was well, what kind of contract, if he was to sign, what we give him? It's a good question in and of itself. What you think? You know what? I mean, so citing everything you just said, I don't know that I'd want to give him what he wants. I can guarantee you that. Um, I, I, to be quite honest, Pearl, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure where I'd put him because it, it does concern me um, whether he – like you said, whether it's legit or not, just the fact that he hasn't been a full 16 games but once in his career does concern me a little bit. <clears throat> Having said that, the flip side of it, like Andrew Barry is is pursuing him. This is the second season. Now, you said last year he didn't want he didn't want any part of this. Right. So if you remember, there's a lot of reports saying that the Browns offered somewhere around $17 million, And he turned it down. He took less money to go play for Tennessee. And so one of the narratives that I mentioned earlier is, well, he didn't want us last year. And people feel like they want players that want to be a Cleveland Brown. I agree with that. However, take your emotions out of it. This is a business. Last year, the Browns still still was not a proven organization. Okay? Here, Tennessee comes calling, offering $4 million less, allegedly, than what we offered. And I say allegedly because he ended up making $13 million last year for Tennessee. Tennessee comes calling. But what's in Tennessee? Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel spent most of his career with him in Houston okay. as a linebackers coach and as a defensive coordinator. So it was comfortable to him. And Tennessee is a franchise that has had some success. Right. So for me, if he, if I'm Jadavian Clowney and I'm looking at that situation, I'm not from this area. And since I've been in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns has not been a good team. So, yeah, they're offering me this amount of money. And, and they, that's putting it lightly. Right. And they they might be on the upside, but I know what I can get out of Mike Variable. I know pretty much what I'm getting myself into. Now, it didn't work out. He got hurt. It didn't work out. But, yeah, he has zero sacks, but he also had 28 quarterback pressures in eight games. So he does get in there. He gets that, in there. That ain't the issue. Right. Is he finishing it off? No, but he, he's getting the pressure. You know, it's funny you say that because that was the big knock on him when I um, I had mentioned to you before the show started briefly that uh, I remember watching him on Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. It, it, his rookie year with the Titans, Hard Knocks was there. Or, I'm sorry, with the Texans, not the Titans. Um, and, and I remember seeing him there. And uh, their knock on him at that time was that he didn't finish. He was... He was great in every aspect. He just never finished. It was, whether it was tackling, uh, you know, it just, man, I really wish I could pull that up right now and go back and play a clip of it for you because, it, dude, everything you just said is in there. I, I looked at some advanced stats, and if I'm not mistaken, his career high for sacks in the season is nine. And so to your point, he's never really been a guy that's been a high sack guy his sack volume has never been through the roof as far as that category he's probably average but what sticks out to me um it's the, it's the run defense the ability to stop the run and before I get into that you know we talked about the contract for me it would probably be like a one-year deal worth around eight million and probably about two million dollars in incentives built into it Basically, if you stay healthy for X amount of games, if you play X amount of games, if you get X amount of you know stats, then that can be bumped to ten million. But I think coming off an injury, 
it would only make sense for the Browns to put themselves in a position not to overpay. And we know Andrew Berry is not overpaying for no player. He didn't even overpay for John Johnson. And John Johnson is a Pro Bowl captain signal caller to defense. He's a star. Right. And so if you're not overpaying for that guy, I don't get this, you know, this this thought process that people have that he's going to overpay for Jadavian Clowney. And yet Jadavian Clowney and his people might say, I'm worth this. But if if they're already at visit number two this offseason and Andrew Barry has already set his reputation of I'm not overpaying for a guy and he still came to visit anyway, then something tells me somewhere they, they've started to meet in the middle. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think that he will be wasting his time. Well, no, and, and I think more to the point you made earlier is the fact that <clears throat> we weren't proven last year. We are now. You know what I mean? Right. Now he's – he sees us as a legitimate Super Bowl contender, as a legitimate shot to get a ring. Whereas a season ago, we didn't even know. I mean, it, it was question marks all around, realistically, with, with Baker, what he was going to do, if he was going to progress. Uh, even early in the season, there were... We, right, there were some questions there that yeah. needed to be answered. Those questions have since been answered, and the Browns is now a credible and respectable franchise in the league. Exactly. And so now we're more attractive to him and to other players than we were a season ago. So I'm not going to hold that against him that he didn't want to sign here last year. You know, but we were just talking about, you know, the pass rush versus the run defense. He has an average of uh, an average pro football focus run stop grade of 81.6. Does he really? Since 2015. Wow. His highest run defensive grade according to Pro Football Focus, came in 2018 when he had a 91.5. Okay. Okay, so this is a guy throughout his career has done a tremendous job at stopping the run. Since the Cleveland Browns have come back to Cleveland in 99, and me and you are around the same age, so that's where we really remember this team the most. Right. We've had issues stopping the run, seems like, every season. Oh, without a doubt. And so, to me even though he doesn't have the high sack numbers, it's my opinion that Andrew Berry is looking at it like he feels a void and he fits a need. We need somebody on the defensive line from the edge position at that that can stop the run. And then not only that, Clowney has the ability to slide and play on the inside. Right. Everybody remembers the play that got him famous, the tackle at South Carolina versus, versus Michigan, right? Yes. That tackle on that run stop, he came from the inside. He didn't even rush from the edge. And so early on in Houston, they did the same thing. He has the ability to play in the middle, play on the outside, and he's great against the run. And I think, you know, to me, this signing is its not the biggest deal, but it can help. And I think maybe the overreaction to a lot of people is, is that they have a false expectation of Jadavian Clowney. They they hear the name, they think that he's a right. But at at this point, he's a star, Pro Bowler, you know all that. You know what he's going to be for the Cleveland Browns? A rotational lineman, probably. You know what I mean? You've already signed Tack McKinley to a one year deal, who's you know fresh off a rookie contract in a situation to where he has to prove himself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now you have Jadavian Clowney possibly, and if he can stay healthy, you have those two guys rotating opposite of Miles Garrett. And it could work. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it definitely can. And and you make it sound like he is very, very versatile. 
um, which is going to be, I, I think, a huge plus for this defense. Think about most of the players that play on that defense. They are versatile. Yeah. You know, Ronnie, Ronnie Harrison, he's a versatile safety. John Johnson, the same way. Grant Delpit is the same way. They prefer versatile players. And I think, like, when we talk about the safeties, you know, there's no secret Cleveland needs to upgrade, upgrade their linebackers, but the Browns prefer guys that can play in the box and still play over the top. Right. And that's why I think they prefer these hybrid defensive backs over just pure linebackers. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong about that. But, yeah, Clowney is versatile, and I think that he can help. You know, no defensive lineman is playing every snap. No. Miles Garrett, even when he's at 100% before COVID, was not playing every snap. And so it brings me back to what I just said. People have this false expectation of of what they may get from Clowney to where if you really just, you know, dig a little deeper, he's a run defender. The Browns need help stopping the run. He's also a guy that's coming off an injury that the Browns can get for cheap. So let's say he does stay healthy. Let's say even let's say he don't play 16 games, right? He misses two or three games, but he's healthy when it matters. You know, that crunch time and during the playoffs. And he balls out. It's worth it. For eight million dollars, it's worth it. Yeah, I I think at that point, it, um, if you can definitely lock him in at that number or around that number. I think anything more is going to get um, – it's just a little too much without having – this is a proving year for him, yeah. right? Like he's got to go out – he has to ball out if he wants a big contract next year because he ain't going to get a big – no one's going to sign him to a multi-year deal right now. I agree with that. I think if he stays healthy and he balls, you know, he can – I mean, he's 28 now. A multi-year contract for him is two, three years – you know, something to kind of set him up down the line. Right. But, you know, this is a prove-it year because outside of the health, one thing that I've heard questioned a lot is his heart. And what I mean by that is, like, how bad does he, how much does he love the game? How bad does he want to win? And these are things that, you know, local reporters are talking about that, you know, they question, you know, how, how much Clowney loves the game. You know, I remember Garrett Bush uh, about a month ago, he had a podcast and – the title of the podcast was I'll Take a hum- Humble and Hungry Jadavian Clowney and emphasize on humble. So to me, that tells me a guy that understands where he is right now and a guy that is ready to prove somebody wrong because he has not, you know, had the best reputation as far as a guy that cares about football a lot. Right. You know, but Andrew Berry is clearly willing to take a flyer on him. He pursued him heavy last year, and here he is again in, in heavy pursuit of him. So I don't know. I think that he wants to play football. I think he loves the game, and I think he wants to prove a lot of people wrong. I, I What do you think? I mean, I yeah, I definitely do. Um, and, and moreover, I think it'll help us in the long run if it pans out. You know what I mean? Like this is going to be – this year especially for me in particular i need to see i need to not i don't want to say super bowl or bust but i'm going to i i you can't do worse than what you did last year and adding jadevian Clowney to the defense i think gives us the best advantage to make it a little bit further i, I think mean, we're better with thing 
than without him. I think he definitely makes that defense better. So if we, if we add Jadavian Clowney and he's healthy for you know most of the season, if not all of the season, and he shows up and does what he does best, which is producing a run game, and I think that you know a few sacks will come. Again, he's never been a high-volume sack guy, but you're also going to be playing opposite of Miles Garrett. So the, the chances of you seeing a double team is slim to none. And then you got to think about who's on the interior now. You know, Malik Jenkins, former Super Bowl champion, is, is a huge upgrade from Larry Ogunjobi. Right. And so you're going to be playing next to him, with Sheldon Richardson playing next to him. And those two big guys in the middle, man, are, are meat eaters. You know, they command a double team themselves. So just playing on that front four alone, I think it will give him more opportunities to create some plays. So realistically, you don't think he had the supporting cast anywhere else? I mean, I mean, of course he had it in Houston playing opposite of J.J. Watt. Um, well, and, that, and I think he played pretty good in Seattle. Seattle actually wanted him back. I just think last year was, was truly just a down year for him. Okay. That, that's really what I believe. I mean, he was on the defensive line to where he was the biggest name and probably the most respected player. And so, of course, he was the guy getting the double teams. Tennessee defensive front was not that great. Right. You know what I mean? So it's it's really – you know how it is with football, man. You need all 11 moving parts moving in the same direction for you to have success. Yeah. And, you know, I wrote a uh, – that article that you mentioned I wrote two days ago, I had dropped a highlight video in there from his season last year. And it showed how, you know, again, he wasn't getting the sacks, but he was getting to the quarterback. He was in a backfield seeing like every single play, you know, forcing the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands. And any time that the ball was being uh, handed off to a running back, he was right there. And you want that here. I mean, yeah, you want that for sure. Um, I, I also want a guy that's going to finish, though, you know. I mean, get back there, but get a hand on him, wrap him up, trip him up. Um, and that's your not, and and I get it. That's your not, but Olivia Werner had the same problem for the first part of the season. Okay, yeah, well, if you remember, but he came on strong, and I and I get it. You know, Clowney, he doesn't finish. You know, I had uh James Mastrucci on the show uh, last episode, and he talked a little bit about Clowney, and he said that, in his opinion, Jadavian Clowney over pursues plays. And you're basically saying the same thing. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that makes total sense too. It it Yeah, he gets he gets caught up and right. He he's he's running nine hundred miles this way and you cut back the other way and now he's screwed. Yeah. And so I think that maybe slow it down a little bit. You know what I mean? Slow your game down. Get that I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think playing on this team, on that defensive front, I think things can be a little little different. But, again, it's all really contingent on its health. Yeah, it is. You know, and I don't think that – I don't think that the Browns are going to overpay for him if, you know, he signs. I mean, like I said, he's here now. He's probably going to be at Cleveland Clinic taking a physical uh, university hospital, one or the two. Look, it makes sense why Andrew Barry wants to do this, right? So if he's in the backfield constantly, he's going to – He'll flush him into Miles Garrett eventually, right? Exactly. So, like that—that's kind of the idea here, or or the thinking behind it. I I get it. I do. Um, it would just be nice if he, well, you know what, put up this year, man. You know, do your thing. Come here, get your one-year contract. 
let's see what you can do. And, and you know, then, hey, if he goes and balls out, he could write his own check after that. So to you, how big is it, how big of a deal is it if the Browns sign him or not on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not going to hurt us if we don't, mm-hmm. but I think there, there is a, a bigger upside if we do. There's, there's the possibility of a bigger upside if we do. I don't think it will hurt us much either. And, you know, I looked and seeing what other veteran pass rushers was available. Um, I think I know Melvin Ingram is out there. Justin Houston is another one that's out there. But, you know, I, I tend to reference pro football focus a lot. And when I looked at the grades from last year from the edge rush position uh, of the free agent edge rushers that were signed this offseason, only two of them graded out better than he was. Oh, really? Right. Okay. So what I'm saying is as far as what's available, you know, according to whatever sites you like to, you know, reference, they're not as good as he is. And so he might be the option if that's the way you want to go, which leads me into my next question. Does it alter the Browns draft plans at all? Wow. Um I mean, it has to. It has to a little bit, right? Like, there. If if you sign him, and and I say it because they're not just initially going after him. You made it a point earlier in this podcast that this is the second year in a row that Barry's pursuing him heavily, right? Right. right. So they see some type of upside. They they're betting on that, and and they're thinking that it's going to happen. So. I, yeah, I would think that affects it a little bit. I mean, you don't? I don't at all. I think my thinking through this whole offseason has been whatever the Browns do in free agency, I've always thought that they would mirror it in a draft. Because if you look at the roster as it's constructed right now, we have a lot of talent, right? We have a lot of talent. Yeah. But we also have a few players that's coming up that's going to require contract extensions, et cetera. And I think the Browns are finally at a position inside the organization to where they can build out for the future. You can have a star at a position, say, with two years left, hypothetically, on his contract. And you could draft a guy that can be ready in two seasons to step in so that you won't have to overpay for that position. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you mean we can actually function like a normal NFL team? For we can a actually function like a normal NFL team for once. Wow. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and so, what what did they do? The only thing that I don't think at this point they they ah no I can't say that because I was going to say that you know they might not draft a safety but they still might might be later on in the draft but right they signed John Johnson I don't think that will stop them from drafting a safety later on they signed Troy Hill which is going to play he's going to play most of his time and a nickel from the nickel corner. You still don't really know about Greedy Williams. So uh, drafting a corner, even though you signed one, I think it can still happen. They signed a linebacker, Anthony Walker Jr. But, it's I mean, Matt Wilson is not that good. Taki Taki is more of a rotational backup linebacker. B.J. Goodson, he's not coming back. I mean, he, he played the best out of all of them, but he's a little older and he's slow. Yeah. Um, You've signed Tack McKinley. And you've signed Malik Jenkins on the defensive line. And I don't think that just because you signed those five guys, that it's going to stop you from drafting those five positions. I think the Browns possibly very well may draft a corner, an edge rusher, 
a safety, and an interior lineman. So, I mean, we're not drafting for the immediate future anymore. We're not drafting to we're, – we're not drafting like we're an expansion team for once. We're drafting like we've been here for a minute right. now, you know? And I, and I think looking at it, it depending on – I've seen so many mock drafts that easy, that has had us taking a linebacker. Um, I've seen one that happened us taking the defensive tackle from Alabama. Oh, uh, why can't I think of his name? Oh, man. But – I've seen one with us taking, you know, various different linebackers. I just don't think that whatever, you know, we've done in free agency is going to stop us from doing the same thing in the draft. And, you know, looking at even in the first round, I, it's a strong possibility the Browns might still take an edge rusher. They might take a corner. What's uh, LeBron Ray? Is that who you were talking about? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. That's that kid, a, he's a beast. Yeah, he is. He is. And that's somebody that the Browns are possibly going to take a look into, which makes a lot of sense. Sheldon Richardson is on the last year of his contract. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. And you still want to keep your front four, you know, solid for the foreseeable future. So does does the addition of the possible addition of Clowney change the Browns' plans? Maybe a little, but I, I can see them still taking the edge rusher first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see that. I just – because again, Tack McKinley is a guy that uh, low risk, high reward. Right. Same with Clowney. But there's no guarantees with either one of them guys. No, there's not. They're going to so, have to both show out this year. Right. But if they don't, I think the Browns, again, on the cusp of a Super Bowl, being a legit Super Bowl contender, I still think that, you know, you probably want to address that because you want to have that position locked in long term. Yes. 100%. You want to have, you want to have that lockdown. Want to have that what it is, and I think that that or linebacker. You know, I was driving in today listening to ninety two point three The Fan, uh, King Carmen show, and a caller called in and said, you know, I would trade up for Mika uh, for Mika Parsons, and I wouldn't be mad at that at all, to be totally honest with you. So, I mean, is that a possibility? Do we have the the draft I, and the trade cap? You know what I mean? Is I wrote a I wrote a uh, check out. I have an article on LandmateLLC.com that I wrote yesterday, and it talked about basically why I didn't think the Browns would stay at 26. I thought the Browns actually is going to move up. Okay. And I think that, you know, Philadelphia sitting at 12 could be a possible trade partner. Um, That's a team that's kind of retooling, a team that's, you know, trying to prepare for the future since they've moved on from Carson Wentz. Yeah. And we have two threes and two fours. And so I think we can package that. And, you know, probably with another pick to kind of get up that high to get our pick of the litter of whatever defensive player is available. Because, you know, again, as I stated in the article, I really believe that the first eight or nine picks of this draft is going to be offensive driven. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So I got to read this article now, man. I already pulled it up. Yeah. So I, I just I'm looking at this whole situation and I don't think that it, it changes anything for the Browns. I think the Browns are still going to draft to address immediate needs that also uh, meshes with that being a uh, a fit for the future that's going to be here for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it may, I think it may switch it up a little bit for him. But I, no, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you're right. It, it's really they're they're in a different position now, and and they got to set themselves up for success down the road. Um, it's not just about the immediate future and who can help right now anymore. Right, and it's it's great to be in that situation. Yeah, I, I think the addition of Clowney 
it can help. If it doesn't get done, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I don't think it changes much for the Browns or, you know, in a, in a bad way. Meaning it don't no, change right. much for us that way. But I don't think it changes our draft plans. And I think that we're still in pretty good shape uh, with or without him. But if we are able to add him, it makes us better in that department of being able to stop the run. Yeah, And it gives you another body on that defensive line uh, that you can rotate in and out to keep guys fresh. And I think that's the key is the rotation and, and having the supporting cast around him, having guys like Miles Garrett right. and Sheldon Richardson and um, – what the, the one you just said we signed uh, uh, Malik Jenkins Jenkins yes right so you know again average pass rusher great run defender he's great at at least you know getting quarterback pressures and those are things that stand out I think that people have to learn to look past the sack number and understand that you know when you're an edge rusher sacks is only a small portion of the entire pie yeah oh yeah definitely. you know what I mean there's so many things that 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 comes into account and. Outside of the sack portion, he does a lot of those things exceptionally well. Yeah. And I think that being in the situation that he's in and the situation that we're in, you know, the Browns call the shot on this. You know, we don't desperately need him. You can argue he probably needs us more More, than we need him. For sure. And knowing that he's coming off an injury, knowing how our general manager is, I don't see the Browns uh, overpaying for him. And – I I really just believe he wants to be here. I I truly believe he wants to be here. Yeah, at this point, it seems like it. I mean, he wouldn't be entertaining a second visit, physical and all that stuff, if if he wasn't serious about it. Um, And I think that shows our where we've come, our our status or our standing in the NFL alone. You know what I mean? Like you said, for so long, our what we know of the Browns has been hot garbage. Absolutely. You know, since '99. it, it just, it's it's nothing, it's nothing you really want to even associate with at, at times. Like you, you remember the brown bag eras, like dude. I'm just saying. So to have, to have this type of standing, to have players, to have stars, pro bowlers, people that want to come here and play now and are buying into this new mentality, uh, it. It's just great, man. It's great to be talking about. It's great to be here with you again today. Man, listen, it's always great to be here with you, my man. So listen, you told me before uh, we hopped on that you got some new things coming up uh, outside of what we're doing with the coffee club. Tell the people a little bit about it. Uh, Yeah, actually. So I have a new show. Um, It's going to be uh, more of a political podcast uh, Mm -hmm. with Danny Mickle. Okay. Um, We're going to be doing that. I believe Thursdays on NCU. Um, I'm going to discuss with him and and Ricky today, this afternoon, uh, and then we'll get a time figured out. But I'm guessing nine, ten, somewhere around there, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll post online. So I would say check me out at Mike TV two one six on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I got a special treat for the listeners. Tomorrow I actually will be a special guest on G. Bush show. I'm going to be a guest on one of the segments of the show. For real? Uh, so I definitely, yeah, I definitely uh, be giving that information out later on today on my social media. Uh-huh. Uh, so Pearly. definitely looking forward to that. Um, it's a blessing. Yeah, man. Very, very. Uh, had to give you a round yeah, of applause, uh, man. That's I'm awesome. Very excited. Looking forward to that opportunity. Got Dude, I'm excited for you. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm just. Uh, just trying to keep, That's keep awesome, my head dude. down, man. Keep grinding, man. So, Hell yeah. Um, you know, 
It's been great. We are definitely finna get the coffee club back off the ground. Uh, maybe you should stop back in, man, for episode eight. Yeah. See what we could talk about. Absolutely. You know, and speaking of uh, the coffee club, um, we had the honor of giving uh, hip-hop legend his roses before he left his earth. As many of you know by now, um, rapper Earl DMX Simmons passed away last week. And one of the things that we did was uh, we had DMX on our intro for the coffee club. And so today we're going to end the show with a little bit of DMX. This has been the 6 a.m. tailgate, a Cleveland Browns podcast presented to you always by Landmade Entertainment. Make sure you are subscribed, like, and following, and make sure you are sharing this with a family member and a friend. I want to thank my guest again, Mike Ross, for joining me. This is your boy, Pearl, and we are out of here.